This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. A story to tell. Pulse 95 Live at the IGCF, discussing a future of better communication for behavioural change and human development. A very good afternoon live here from the Sharjah Expo Centre, the Stadium of Communications, as I've been saying and calling it so far. Now, it was it's a big focus on education as well yeah. uh, today. And it's all about, now we've heard about knowledge without borders. We've heard of world without borders as well. Mm. Now we've, we also know he is, uh, we know about learning without frontiers. And a person who's founded it as well is here in the studios with us. Now, most of you listeners might be thinking, oh, you know, the International Government Communication Forum sounded so great. Well, it was. <laughs> but, uh, you know, lucky you, we've got, you've got us who's been uh, giving you all the lowdowns and what's been happening over here. Absolutely. And uh, it's, this is such a pleasure to introduce Graham Brown Martin, um, who is a leader in the field of foresight and anticipatory research. There's a lot of words there, mm. Graham, if you don't mind me saying so. And yes, also, um, as Abdul Karim mentioned, Learning Without Frontiers, you founded it. It's a global think tank, but I love the way it's described. Challenging, provocative and disruptive. Mm. That is a great opener. How are you today? I'm very good, actually. Okay. I'm, I'm not feeling as tired as I thought I would be. I got in quite late last night because right. I had to give a keynote talk in London at breakfast time yesterday. So oh, I arrived wow. at sort of 2.30 okay. this morning and I'm off again at 2.30 this evening or 2.30 in the morning tomorrow. So properly whistle-stop so, yeah, so Literally 24-hour trip to Sharjah, which is such a shame because it's so beautiful. Mm. It really is. And, and it's the Emirate of Arts and things. So know, you it's would fantastic. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what have you seen? Anything at all? Just a taxi um, ride? Uh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's been okay. a bit like that. I mean, I, I, it's my third visit to the UAE just in the last two months okay. um, yeah. on, on a variety of things. I was at the World Government Summit earlier and yeah. um, this year and then something else that was happening mm. uh, with the Knowledge and Human Development Authority and so forth. So I seem to be here a lot. Yes. But unfortunately, I don't seem to spend enough time in Sharjah. I'm going to make that my, uh, my mission oh, this year to. to change. Absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. uh, the bit I have seen is gorgeous. And of course, um, I was with Sheikh Fahim earlier, and mm-hmm. you know, he uh, was introduced me to the sort of cultural and educational aspect yep. of, of this emirate. Yeah. Um, so I really have to kind of make make sure I discover more about it. We're well, going to hold you to. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. well, we hope you've made the most of your 24-hour trip because we've certainly enjoyed the forum itself. And uh, let's take your your thoughts on it and what have you seen, what have you interacted with, and some of the sessions that you've you've actually spoken at as well. Mm. Yeah, I suppose um, the session really was mm. this morning that I was a participant on, which was about education and yeah. change and why we need to change and so forth. And of course, you know, we have, as a, society, as a human society, have been discussing education reform since Socrates. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a perennial debate uh, mm. about whether we should, you know, why should, why should we change? Why change now or whatever? Mm. And, and I would argue there are some very specific reasons why we need to change our education system now. Um, you know, we run globally uh, an education system that was designed um, at the end of the 19th century, early yeah, 20th right. century, sort of really? known as a standard model of education. And we'll have all gone through that, and most of the listeners will have gone through that, yeah. which is the sort of inculcation of facts and procedures, yeah. which you memorize, <laughs> and then you regurgitate at an arbitrary time, yeah. at an exam, yeah. and then forget about it. Yeah. Which is, you know, so we just sat here. I tell you what we'll do. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know that the listeners can't do this, but we'll do it over the radio. Okay. We're going to do a quadratic equation. Who wants to go first? Abdul oh. Karim, you I'm, can I'm go get, first. I'm getting I'm a bit terrified. nervous over there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because yeah. so I asked I mean, the audience, uh, you know, who could do it? And nobody put their hand up. No. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I was recently at a research uh, uh, conference about uh-huh. education. 4,000 academics 
uh, in Seville. And I asked the same question, only one person put their hand up. Yeah. Now, quadratic equations is something that we all did um, okay. in, at maths at high school. So this right. is not degree or postgraduate. I mean, no. this is just a high school stuff. And, right. okay. and, and, and the reality is, is that we don't apply them to anything. But we no. still have this education system which values the ability to memorize stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, now that might have been fine in in the sort of mid twentieth yeah. century when we it was a sort of conveyor belt really. Yeah. You know, you you went to, you went to you went to school, you studied hard, and yeah. you got a good job at the end for life. Yeah. You know, you it was to produce um, sort of human capital for factories and, and offices and, and so forth. But you know, as we know, as we move into this new technological future, I mean, it's exciting, isn't it? The fourth mm. Industrial yeah. Revolution, as yeah. the World Economic Forum call it. You know, AI, automation, yeah. you know, self-driving cars, gene editing and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But it turns out that all those jobs that we were training kids to do, um, you know, j jobs that could be measured and things that were done by rules, well, we're going to replace them with machines, aren't we? Because if it can be measured or it's based on rules, so yeah. whether it's a manufacturing job mm. or a accountancy or law, True. well, we can do that with an AI or with a machine. Right. I mean, I do my tax return now on an app on my on my smartphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 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 you know that You're saved right. me a fortune. I yeah. don't need an accountant to do that. I mean, we'll, there will be accountancy jobs and finance directors, but it will be different kinds of those jobs. So, what is school for? What is education yeah. for? What is university for? And all these kinds of things. So, in addition to the changing nature of the future of work, yeah, we've also got some other things that are on the horizon in this century. It's been very challenging, actually, for all of us, but also our children and you know present and future generations, because you know things like climate change, for example, mm. um, and and population growth. If we just combine those two things alone, I mean, we are potentially in in a, in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, we've in the UK, we've had summer in in February. Yeah, um, we've got a, one of the worst hurricanes in in living memory happening in in the southern part of Africa at the yeah. moment. Yeah, um, you know things are are happening at quite a pace. I mean, I was in you know just, just the other day when I was in Dubai, it was it was raining. <laughs> um, you know, so 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 these things are changing. But the point is, is that we're also seeing population growth happening at the same time, and that population growth is happening in the areas that are going to be most yeah. affected by climate change. And the latest figures that were published in the Lancet. Um, uh, uh, newspaper recently um, showed that by 2050 there'd be approximately one billion climate change refugees. Oh wow! Oh, now, wow. just to say that one, once more, yeah. one billion. One billion. That's three and a half times mm. the population of Europe or America. Yeah. Now consider what's happening in society at the moment when we're talking about, like, the, for example, four million Syrian refugees. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, you know, there are politicians and, and other commentators mm. in Europe and America saying, okay. Uh, put up the borders, um, build walls, do yeah. this, do yeah. this, do this. You know, they're not staying here, and, and all, I mean, letting people drown in the sea and stuff. I mean, that, that, I mean, sorry to be a downer, but that 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 that, that alone was pretty horrific. But one billion in in twenty, you know, mm. this is not even it's in our lifetime. Mm. You know, yeah, if we were still around, and certainly in our child's lifetime. So you've got this kind of perfect storm of technological unemployment as a result of a lot of the jobs that we're training kids for disappearing. Yeah. Um, we've got migration being the new normal. We're already seeing the results of this sort of othering of other populations. Yeah. I mean, this sort of swing to the populist right that we're seeing all over the world, actually, certainly across Europe um, and the United States and so forth. So we could be, if, if you know, I'm, don't want to be too dystopian, but yeah. it, it only ends badly, this story, yeah. if we do nothing. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly if we look at our education systems, Across the board, really. I mean, it's not you know, it's not just the Arab world. I mean, it's 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 throughout the entire world. You know, we're having a system which is training kids to compete with machines. Mm. 
And really, we need to be looking at how we change our education systems to maximize human potential. So yeah. what is it, you know, if we know that the jobs of the future are the ones that machines can't do, yeah. what is it that humans do that machines can't? You know, what, what, is, what, is it, what is it uniquely human? And there are many things where we're great, yeah. Um, yeah. far better than machines, you know, creative endeavors. Yeah. Um, you know, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. You know, machines or AIs won't create new businesses. No, they won't. It's scientific discovery. I mean, yes, we all use technology. We'll use AIs. We'll use all this advanced stuff to help us make scientific discoveries. But it yeah. won't be the machines. It's like this nonsense about people saying, well, AI can create art. It can't. No. You know, because AI will always be the, the medium, never the message. Mm. It's the creativity is a person creating that AI. And so... Yeah. Social interactions. I mean, here we are doing live radio. Yeah. yeah. And, and it works. I mean, you, it works far better than doing it over a, over a conferencing technology. There's something that happens when you're looking at each other. Even though this is radio, we're looking at each other, we're Agreed. responding and everything yeah. else. Yeah. There's something unique because we're human beings, you know, yeah. millennia of development. Mm. And the same goes for mobility and dexterity. Um, you know, I mean, I can swim, I can make you coffee, I can run. I mean, we've been going up mountains and dancing and playing and, and we are very adept to this to this environment. Now, yes, people talk about the Boston Dynamics robot that can backflip. Now, I've worked with that robot. Yeah. And if you move the table by a centimeter, <laughs> it falls over. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that we won't improve those things, and it's great that we can have robots that do specific tasks, but it's more likely our future is working alongside these things rather than being entirely replaced. But we do have to think about what our education system is doing. Yeah. And if it's only about memory, uh, you know, memorizing content and True. then spitting it out at an exam, we're in a lot of trouble. Because mm. yeah, that's, um, that's years and years of education that's just basically you're getting trained because that's the time you're when right. you're sort of growing and learning more. Mm. And then if we're saying, all right, you know, learn this, memorize it, and there's three hours of examination, get your degree, you get, get a degree from a red brick university, and that's it, you need to go your paper, but mm. well, what do you know like skills-based-wise? Well, uh, I mean, this is true, I mean, we, yeah. we know we're seeing that now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the university structures are under a lot of threat at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, 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 it's, it goes back, doesn't it, that you know, if we think that school is just a conveyor belt to a university, and then you get to university, and then you get a good job for life, yeah. well, we know that's wrong. Yeah. I mean, mm. that's just not happening now. We've got plenty of graduates who are finding it difficult to find a job because they have no practical ability. I have right. a, yeah, um, I've yeah. just been doing the university beauty parade with my 18-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she fortunately wants to do film, theatre and, and television, which is great because that's going to yeah. be very hard to replace those skills with a machine. Right. Um, so that's great. I'm yeah. very happy with that. Yeah, but, you know, dad. we went through, through a number of universities. I'm not going to mention particular yeah. ones because it would be unfair in case they're listening. <laughs> um, but, you know, we went to one university. It was a four-year degree. I mean, to be fair, you ended up with a master's. Um, but there was absolutely no practical yeah. work mm. at all. Yeah. And, and I sort of popped my hand up and, and I said to the, the head of faculty, I said, I, maybe I just missed something, but are you really saying that, that you won't actually make anything at all for three years? Yeah. doing this degree and when you do it doesn't count for anything mm. and she, she said and, and you know she said yes you're exactly right because we're not a production course and she said it as though it was pejorative the idea of mm. making and right. this is film right yeah so, so it was really it was like, it was like okay so my daughter would go through university come out over a hundred thousand pounds in debt yeah. no guarantee of a job and yeah. not being able to make anything she wouldn't be able to go into a film production company as a script writer or anything she just would not have the experience yeah. no. whereas I could send her to a film school in Vancouver for one year for much less than a hundred thousand yep. uh, mm. pounds I'm talking here wow. and she would be guaranteed a job on leaving yeah um, really? so the university structure that that notion of just just 
dumb, you know, doubling down or, 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 or on just theory and mm. content only, I think is problematic. And I think mm. so. We're going to have to. I think some universes are, are clearly are, are saying, okay, actually, we have to map because there's nothing wrong with subject mastery. There's nothing wrong with some knowledge. I mean, if you're going to yeah. just get everything from the internet. If you don't have a basis of knowledge, mm. how do you know what's true? Yeah. Uh, and okay. of course, that's a big problem at, right. at the moment. But if we're not applying it to anything, we're not yeah. doing anything. Mm. I mean, I, you know, so, you know, another part of my job when I'm not disrupting education and so yeah. forth is I, I, I run a number of design studios, mm. one in China, one in the UK, and one in the US, where we employ about 400 software engineers. Right. Now, I know they're very talented, and I know some of them have got great qualifications. But I have no idea what they are, because the only thing I was interested in was whether they could code, whether they could actually program a computer, whether they could collaborate and work together. Right. And actually, software engineers, as an example, they use something called GitHub. It's a bit techy, but it's an online thing. It's where they all share their sort of coding voodoo and everything else. But from that, you can see, can you actually do the job that I'm asking you to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Can you collaborate? Can you share? Can you work together and everything else? And, that, and to be fair, that's, that's how I recruit. It's, mm. it's I'm interested in what you can actually do. Yeah. Now, of course, it may well be that they would not be able to do that quite as well had they not had a, a traditional education as well. So I'm not saying we just throw the baby out with mm. the bathwater, but we do need to start thinking about how we apply those things. So maybe we need to de-silo the school curriculum because, yeah. you know, it does seem a bit odd, doesn't it? You know, the, the bell rings every hour. Now we're doing maths. Now we're doing English. Mm. Now we're doing mm. art. Now we're doing science. It's like, well, in the real world, we combine all those things mm-hmm. and we make projects. What's really interesting about this is I had this conversation with my 12-year-old literally a week ago and he turned to me and he said, why do I have to do all this stuff, mummy? Yeah. I'm never going to use it. Now, I gave him the standard parent retort. <laughs> I can hear myself saying it. I said to him, you know what? You just need the basics, Albie. That's what you need and you need to be able to... And he said, and he was doing something ridiculous in maths that I can't even... Algebra... And he said, but I don't understand where I'm going to use this. I don't. Now, he gets it. He would understand you. I gave him the rhetoric that I've been taught and that my parents gave me. And, that, and that's the thing about education, isn't it? Because everyone knows about school because we all went to one. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and, and actually, I mean, it's quite actually, I mean, it's also hard, I think, in the sort of political. I mean, it's why it's interesting to have this conversation within a government forum mm. because it's actually very hard for governments everywhere. Yeah. Um, because if they suddenly turn around and go, OK, listen, um, when you get back to school in September, we're not going to have those tests anymore. Yeah. I mean, parents would just throw their hands in the air. Yeah. I mean, even some employers who still say, actually, I want skills, not just these tests, would throw their hands in the air. How do I know whether this yeah. person can add up? And all that? Yeah, there has so, to be. So, so we, get, of, we get yeah. stuck in this kind of particular, it's like a goldfish being in a, in, in a goldfish bowl, can't see mm. the water. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of how we are with, with, with this system. We can't imagine a, right. a different kind of system. Um, but, you know, mathematics is an interesting one with your, with, with your child because... You know, so many people leave school believing they're bad at maths. I mean, I, I said Me. quadratic equations mm. a second ago, and, and it looked like you both were going to be ill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take that test. No problem. I'll give it a go. But, 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 yeah. but my point is, is that actually, mm. because particularly in school, children mm. aren't new, aren't learning maths. Yeah, they're mm. learning calculation. Yeah. True. You know, memorizing their times tables and everything else. And they're not really, because mathematics is, is, isn't the same as calculation. Mm. Mathematics is about discovery, it's about um, finding things out. It's, there's a real Sherlock Holmes thing to, to yeah. maths. It actually comes alive when you start applying it to things. Right. But we don't. We teach maths like a dead language, mm. like it is if it was Latin or yeah. something like that. So it's just that sort of drill and kill type approach to mathematics. And it's a shame because 
so many people would be much more confident mm -hmm. with things like mathematics yeah. if they found a use for it. Your child would be so much more interested mm. if a new, okay, well, think about Pythagoras' theorem. If you're going to build a treehouse, then you know what I mean? You apply <laughs> yeah, it to I things. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I occasionally worked in uh, what are known as pupil referral units uh, in the UK. This is where you send kids that didn't, didn't get, do very well at school or misbehaved at school. And so um, the, the answer was to give them more school, which, which in itself is probably <laughs> a bad idea. But anyway, I, I go in there and I teach physics using a skateboard. Um, Amazing. And, and that's because I'm an old 70s skater. Um, <laughs> and I can flip a board up on my feet. It's called an ollie. You know, you mm. flip the board and you can get it onto a desk. Nice. Um, and so I start my lesson like that. And then we talk about, well, how does a skateboard stick to my feet when I ollie the skateboard? And if you see skateboard tricks where you flip mm. the board up. And then we get into physics right. and everything else. But then it becomes interesting because, okay, I, uh, it's applying it to something that, mm. that I'm interested in. So this is about personalization in education. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how we could replace teachers with computers mm. um, or with an AI. And that's complete nonsense, of course, because it just misunderstands the nature of teaching and learning and personalization. Yeah. Because yeah. computers are not very good at personalizing learning. They might be good at providing you some sort of recommended uh, purchases on, a, yeah. on an e-commerce system based on your previous purchases, but not with something like learning. You really need uh, a human being. I mean, the reason why person is impersonalized suggests a human yeah. being. Yeah. But it's about understanding what the unique talents and desires and interests that are changing all the time of the students that you're working with. So yeah. if I know that a child is particularly interested in skateboarding, I might use a skateboard to teach a particular concept. And good teachers, of course, know that. Yeah. Um, what we're short of, of course, is good teachers. And we need to invest more in, in human teachers. I mean, the role of teachers will change yeah. against this back. So they stop being content delivery drones, actual mm. teachers. But um, I think that we need to have a sort of a stronger debate around uh, both what we do at school and how, how we do it. Can yeah. I ask, um, how is that your message being received? Do you feel like, because I mean, it, it sounds fantastic. So I'm sitting here just completely enlightened and, and my mm. brain is firing and I would love it. I would love to grab you and, and put my children in front of you and let's go. <laughs> But um, do you feel that, that you're making an impact? Do you feel that people are properly listening? It's been, it's been an interesting um, trajectory, actually. Um, so, but it's also a very quick potted history. I mean, I started off in sort of educational technology way back in the 80s and all that kind of stuff. And fiercely believing that I could profoundly impact learning and change education and so forth, um, realized that I couldn't. I was bashing my head against a brick wall <laughs> for a long time. And then... Um, but I had developed a lot of technology around video compression, audio compression, and, and then went off and disrupted the music industry, Amazing. Um, which was great fun. So I went, off and, I went off and did all that kind of business, yeah. so way before Napster and things like that. Yeah. But I came back into the education world in 2004 um, because actually a lot of things that I'd invented in, in, in the 80s um, mm. sort of became more relevant. So the sort of stuff I was talking about, I came back for a variety of reasons. I was in the newspaper and people contacted me and said, look, all that stuff that you were talking about in the 80s where we thought you were mad <laughs> is beginning to happen. Why don't you get yeah. back into it? And I thought, actually, this is quite good. And it sort of corresponded when my daughter asked uh, my 80-year-old mother, you know, what was school like when you were a kid? And she said probably the same. Ooh. And, of course, yeah. she didn't mean it in the way it said, but she was absolutely right. Mm. Um, mm. So I then thought, okay, let's go back into education and see what could be changed. So a lot of things that I've been saying here, probably 10 years ago, I think people thought, this was a bit, a bit mad, yeah. a bit crazy, uh, uh, and crackway. So I got a lot of pushback. I mean, I wrote a number of books. Um, got, a, you know, I was on Twitter for a while. I had lots of followers, and then lots of people were being quite rude right. on, on social media about some of these ideas. But what I have seen over the last few years is much more traction mm. occurring because as 
you know, what I, what I found in my last book, Learning Reimagined, was when I traveled about five times around the world. Yeah. I mean, I spent time living in refugee camps on the, on the mm. Syrian and Jordan border, mm. up mountains in China after an earthquake, but then also to very affluent countries and everything else. And what I discovered there was the conversation that, that all parents were having, no matter what social, cultural background they were having, was how can my child thrive yeah. in a rapidly changing world? That's the interest. How can present mm. and future mm. generations thrive? Mm. And so what, governments are now asking this question as well, because the role of government is, is, is to protect its citizens, is to yeah. provide for its citizens. Mm. And so they're also, I mean, even if we just use the econ economic debate about the economy and so forth, we're still back at this point where we need to make changes. Mm. So whereas there was a time when, when you know, a lot of these things was almost heresy, we're now seeing uh, like, you know, nation states like Singapore, for example, who are one of the leaders in the, the mm. OECD PISA charts, who are very well known for getting their kids through tests, now saying that you know, they're no longer going to rank um, their schools by grade results. Yeah. They're actually pushing back on that, looking more at holistic education. Wow. So what I am seeing is a sort of gradually, then suddenly, a shift uh, across Amazing. the board. So um, fortunate for me, because uh, yeah. part, of, part of my income comes from speaking at conferences and writing <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to be that it's resonating now. Mm. I mean, That's I think good. there are still some doubts because, mm. you know, as I was saying earlier, we're still locked into that kind of, well, okay, if we take away that siloed yeah. subject and, 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 and testing regime, what do we replace it with? Mm. Um, do we have to measure everything? People are still preoccupied with measuring everything. But yeah. it's like, there's, you know, it turns out that in this century, Things like creativity and, and innovation mm. and collaboration and so forth. These are much harder to measure. That's true. Um, you, know, the, you know, it's like you know how to, to measure how happy you are. I know we are trying to measure those things, but they mm. are very hard yeah. using the sort of traditional metrics. That's very true. Now, wow, Graham, wow. Graham Brown Martin, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on wow. out with us, and it was. Uh, Great to take some very valuable insights and to see that the positive trajectory is there at the moment. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. A story to tell.